I grew up here. This was such a small, tight knit community. And it still is like, we're grasping for that. Like we hold on to it with a death grip. But since all these reality shows, like the Alaskan Bush people and buying Alaska and everybody was like, oh, let's go to the wide open country. And then they get up here and they're like, ew, there's no facilities. This is gross. Well, it's Alaska. Hey y'all, welcome to Culture Cult. My name is Marie. I am the host of the show. And if it's your first time here and you're like, what is this? Uh, Essentially, it's a podcast where we feature really crazy history stories from every country in the world. And we are doing that because it is my goal to learn about every country, to learn about everyone's culture, and to just admit when you're ignorant and that you just want to learn about the world. But today's episode's actually not about a country. We do also on this podcast something called Travel Stories, where I have people come on and tell me their best travel stories. And this one is super, super special. So a while ago, I got a Facebook request from a woman named Ashley, and she said she was from Alaska. She was a park ranger. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's exactly a park ranger, but she was like a nature guide tour in Alaska. Essentially, she knew her shit. Anyways, she reached out to me on Facebook and she was like, hey, just found your show. I'm a fan. I would love to come on and tell my survival story in the Alaskan wilderness in the winter and also just tell people about Alaska. And I was like, fuck yeah, (laughs) this sounds great. So this episode, yes, we're going to hear her survival story, but it really just opened my eyes to a lot of things. So, I mean, we talk a lot about how Alaska is a community First and foremost, it is a very strong community with the Native Americans living in Alaska, with just all different kinds of people. It doesn't matter what your religion is, what your politics is. In Alaska, it's community first. And I loved learning about that. We also just talk about, you know, what it's like living on her land. Like she talks about how she raises her kids to do sustainable hunting, what that looks like getting your food from your backyard. And how some days there's no sunlight in the winter and your entire sky is just the northern lights and what it's like to be charged by a moose in your front yard all the things you think about alaska but again i want to hit on that point of the community aspect i did not really know that about alaska and as i listened to her it just sounds like such a beautiful beautiful place um, inside and out and i personally have been craving community since i am a full-time traveler right now And I would love to live somewhere like that. And I think as if you're an American listening, I would listen to her story and be like, wow, like how can we implement that in the lower 48, as she says? We need to do that. And it makes me happy that Alaska is one of the places in America where they really have such a strong community and they have such a connection with nature. And that's something I don't think we have in the rest of the United States, not everywhere. So I'll start babbling. I'll let you listen to the the podcast, but... In general, thank you so much, Ashley, for reaching out to me and wanting to come on the podcast. If you are also a fan and you want to t- share your story, please reach out. You can always hit me up at Culture Cult Show on Instagram. And yeah, I'd love for you to come on and tell your story. But for right now, let's hear about Ashley's survival on the Alaskan wilderness story and what Alaska is all about. Cheers and enjoy. So you're born in Alaska and like 
Do y'all feel like you're American? Or are you kind of like, no, we're our own thing? Depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. So like we're redneck. We have that love of country, but we're seeing the dumpster fire going on in the lower 48. And I don't speak for all Alaskans, but I can speak for a lot of us. We see that dumpster mm-hmm. fire and we're like, y'all, can't you guys just get along? Like mm-hmm. live and let live. Those are your neighbors. You're going to end up with a flat tire. Cause that's how we approach everything. I don't agree with my neighbor politically, but I know that at 50 below and my tires flat and I'm stuck on the side of the road in the middle of winter, that neighbor is going to stop and put my tire back on. So I'm not going to be hateful to them. And I feel like you, you guys in the lower 48 don't have that necessity that you need to be nice to others. Like we do. So true. That's so true. I mean, that's why I've been having an issue with America in general and parts of America, not everywhere, but just like the lack of community, just yeah, no lack of community. And so we are very American. We love our country, but we love each other and we're Alaska first. We have to be at the end of the day. Yeah. What else do you think separates y'all from like being Americans besides, besides the lack of community, you know? So I've noticed traveling down there, like you guys have your reservations there's no native American culture. There's no native American studies. And it's, that should be huge. Yeah. Like that is our country's history, just as much as us coming over here on the Mayflower. And in Alaska, it's very shared. There's no gatekeeping. There's no, like I'm sending my son to an elementary school that I know shares in native American arts and culture. Like my son's going to, get to experience eating whale fat because it's something they do in the classroom. He's going to get to experience forging and they're going to teach him how to like climb out of the ice and, and use like, it's a very shared, like this is all our lands. When you're driving through downtown Fairbanks, there's a huge reminder that, you know, Hey, you're on Dina lands And, and we all respect that. And it's just ingrained in us. Like, I'm not Native American. I'm not Native Alaskan, but I know enough about their culture to respect them. And, you know, I can join in on the jokes and the fact that they share that with us because we are a community. Mm-hmm. I I love that. And I want to see that more for the rest of our country. I really agree. I, I'm not Native American, but I've always felt very, that's a very sensitive like part of history that really disturbs me. And I find it honestly hard to talk about, and I don't even have it in my blood to be Native American, but like it there's, I'm always going to stand for like the indigenous people. And yeah, it really like, bothers me that we don't, like you're saying, we don't have that down here. It's like, oh, well that they used to live here. We don't even know what tribe was land, here. That, that's, that's their lands over there. If you want to know anything about them, go that way. Like, no. And just like recognize this is not your land. And yeah, the minimum you can do is. A know what whose land you're on and connect with them. And I was wondering who, what tribes are you connecting with? Like where you live? You said Hope, Alaska. Is that where you live? So I'm actually in Fairbanks. I'm way up north of that. And okay. the I because of how much the the culture is spread. I I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I'm not clear on whether it's Nupiaq or Inuit or. I just know that it is a very huge problem. Like people come up here and they're all Eskimos. No, they are not all Eskimos. You got the clink it. You've got the least you can do is know who you're pointing fingers at while being rude. Mm. Like don't be ignorant. Like <laughs> yeah. literally just ask a question. Even, just be like, Hey, like what's your tribe? Like be curious. 
Yes, you know? exactly. Because they, they appreciate that so much more than you just ignorantly saying, Oh, I have an Eskimo friend or, Oh, I have an Alaskan native friend. Like, no, the Eskimos are this way. Yeah. The Inuits are in this area. The Clinkit are in this area. At least know who you're talking about, please. <laughs> and you said you have a friend who's in a tribe. You were you're trying to get her on. Uh, I was uh, Heather, and yeah, she's from Chugiak, which is southern Alaska. Which the, you'll see that quite a bit. Like the native villages are really interesting. Well, it, you see it with white people in their small towns. Like I hate this, and I got to get the fuck out of here and move to the city. And then they go to the city and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so cut off from my entire roots. And they go back and it happens quite a bit with the villages. You've got these villages that are off the road system. The only way in and out is once a month, you've got a barge coming through by river. And they they grow up stir crazy and then they come to the city and then they're like, "Okay." And and mind you, when I say the city, I showed you the videos. It's Fairbanks, Alaska. It's a it's. (laughs) it's a town it's it's a town it's tiny but they come to us and they're like i can't do this and like you got to understand literally like these people have been raised in a village where they have a fish wheel and everybody is a part of a community that does their part and yeah it's hard but you've always got somebody and then you come to this city Mm -hmm. where you have nobody And a lot of times it could either, it could go really, really well for that person. And they end up on the council and they end up like making waves in the town and, you know, remembering their roots, or they end up overwhelmed by everything around them and they have no grounding anymore. Mm -hmm. And it is a sad story sometimes where you'll see like their families posting to Facebook, like, Hey, this person, can you check the homeless shelters? Can you check the... Mm -hmm. It it just illustrates how hard life is up here for all of us, but especially when you're coming from a a family village where you think life is hard and then you get to the city where you think things are going to just be bright lights and everything's going to just, you know, open up to you and it doesn't. Mm. And then you're faced with that decision. Like a lot of times their families will come and look for them because they, the, the natives up here are very family oriented. Well, I, want to say they're all very family oriented but extremely so up here like you will see whole families coming into town from the village saying hey we're here for our relative we're going to be here for a week this is our hotel and then they'll they'll either drag them back kicking and screaming or take them back like hey you need to get well again like you need to reconnect we're here for you wow yeah it's just like that weird crossover between like the modern world and the ancient world like, yes, they're born in this ancient world, but they're oh, like, yeah. well, I want to be a part of that. And then they get a taste of it. And they're like, why do I feel so depressed and lonely? And then they fill themselves with whatever vice is there, you know, mm-hmm. that is so interesting. And I just, I, it makes me wonder, like, if we can go back, because like, like, as you call it, like the lower 48, we're just so developed. Yes. And how can we go back and like reconnect? And I actually been learning a lot about New Zealand because I'm covering that next season. And they're one of the countries that are showing how you can give land back to natives and kind of go back. I've seen some of the controversy in the news and I've got some friends in Australia and New Zealand and they're like all up in arms about land being given back. And it's like, guys, no, you got to understand this is one world. We're people. Yes, but 
we need to share this with the animals and with mm-hmm. the the nature around us because once that's gone, we can't recreate the ecosystem. We can't recreate the symbiotic relationships between us and nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, we we haven't developed science far enough in our own science to say, okay, we don't need the bees. We haven't developed far enough in our science to say, okay, we don't need the wolves. There is a relationship that has developed on this earth and we need to be able to understand and respect that. Like I, a lot of people will come to Alaska and complain about not having the amenities and not having, <laughs> Oh, well my internet doesn't reach out here or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, to install the internet, to reach out to the property that you're trying to buy. Good, sir. Um, I would have to cut down X amount of timber we would be going through this person's creek and this person's beehives and they bought that land and they want to keep that land and they want to keep their connection with nature and you're just wanting to come in and bulldoze for your own comforts? No. Yeah. It's like we, especially like here in America, we're just so consumed by our comforts and you don't have connection with anything. And it's like our bubbles getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the more we disconnect from earth and from community and it, it, it scares me. Cause I'm like, okay, wait, can we pause? How do we reconnect? How do we go back? Because you don't realize how detrimental you're being to your own mental health. Mm-hmm. It's like humans are children. We are children. We want what we want and we want it right now. We want all the comforts. We've been given everything over the past 20 years of just you and me being alive. Look at how far technology has come. We are used to having everything ready and available. And there's that huge disconnect of everybody. Like mental health is a huge thing right now. And I've noticed that in the smaller, quieter communities, like up here in Alaska, when you are able to disconnect from that fast life that everybody loves to be a part of, yeah. Your mental health actually what you think you want goes out the window and what you know you need shines bright wow. in the yeah. darkness and yeah. it helps. It's so interesting. I mean, I think the times I've been truly happy and I can tell when I'm truly happy is when I sing. And I've noticed I mean the last time I really sung was when I was on my road trip from California to Oregon to Tennessee and it's always when I'm camping. Like I love love having sh- stuff like stripped down. I love being yes. like, where am I getting my water today? How am I going to do this? Like, I love the problem solving and not having everything so comfortable. And I was wondering, do you know anything about like the wilderness survival stuff? Like, I want to learn about that, but I don't know how. I do. Actually, it was funny. I was at a showing last week, showing a house to one of our new, he moved here from Hawaii. He's actually in agent. So it's an all in office deal, but I'm the the real estate agent. And she's like, yeah. See what Ashley's standing in over there? She's standing in a bunch of tea. And I was like, yeah. And, and right over there, I believe that's rhubarb. And and those are rose hips. And all of these plants that we've pointed out to you on your property that you might possibly be buying, that's all edible. Mm. And he was like, you guys really know what you can and can't eat around here. And we were like, well, yeah, you, you kind of need to. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I feel like a lot of Alaskans do. And I didn't realize that it wasn't, you know, common practice to know these things until I moved to the lower 48. And I was telling people, oh, yeah, no, you didn't know you could eat dandelions. Those aren't weeds. Like, the whole plant is edible. Oh, you didn't know you could eat nasturtiums? They make a really good pepper jelly. And people are looking at me like I'm some forest witch. And I'm like, no, I just, I know what's growing in my yard. Who taught you that, though? Um, so the nasturtiums, one of the ladies, because sense of community, like up here, we let our kids run. I know in the lower 48, you see a a five-year-old child walking by themselves. You're going to call the police and say, Hey, this, this child is unattended Hmm. up here. It's like, Oh, well, don't go outside our neighborhood. Stay within like a six block radius and go wander. And that's literally how I learned what you couldn't, couldn't eat in the neighborhood. Because the the garden ladies would be like, oh, hey, kids, here, you can have these. They're kind of spicy. Oh, hey, kids, you can have these. They're kind of sweet. That's another thing. I just feel like I want to know stuff like that. I follow a girl. She's called, uh, I think it's just Black Forager. Fucking hilarious. She's so funny, but she teaches all this stuff. And she's like in the suburbs of Ohio. I love that even more. Like you're in the suburbs, bitch, and you are trying to expand on knowledge around you. You are an amazing soul and a light in the dark. Yeah, I will send her to you because she's she's genuinely so (laughs) she's so funny. But I don't know anything about my surroundings. And it genuinely pains me. Like I know everyone has these like life goals of being like a millionaire or whatever you want to be. I want to know can I survive in the woods? And I can hundred percent say right now, no, the fuck I can't. And I don't, I want to know. It's funny that you bring up, like everybody has these goals of being a millionaire. Like I come from a very, very, very bad background. I came up here to get my shit together. And I thought my goals when I started this, or when I started my recovery journey and finding myself, I thought my goals were to have all the money to be able to live comfortably. I have that right now and I'm not happy. Mm. I I make between me and my husband, we make quite a bit more than your average. My husband and I's five, five year retirement plan is we're going to own land. Alaska is where we want to be. We're going to own several hundred acres up here, but I want to get to the point where I don't have to work anymore Mm -hmm. and I can just go to my acreage and say fuck the world that's what happiness is to me like I want to know that I can go cut my own wood here I have my plot of land in the mountains that the caribou are going to roam through my my front yard on hunting season because I already hunt to fill my freezer we hunt to fill and we fish to fill I don't grocery shop I don't buy my meat at a grocery store but I don't go without meat that's what an Alaskan freezer looks like. Oh. I caught and sourced all of that fish. Below that fish is a layer of caribou. And below that caribou is a layer of moose. What? Oh. You killed a moose? Yes. Jesus Christ, those are huge. <laughs> to me, that's happiness. To me, that is, I fed my family with my rifle and... I have not hurt anybody in the process. I haven't wasted anything. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about what sweatshop in China made this. I don't have to worry about what animals suffered in the process because I know my kill was completely ethical and I am respecting what I'm eating. Yeah. Yeah. That's happiness to me. It's a lot of hard work, but 
at the end of the day, that's living. That's my goals where, you know, other people's goals are the big house, the big cars, the new and nice, you know, and I have all that right now. I just bought my brand new truck. I have an 85 inch TV. I freaking have all the amenities, the best Mm -hmm. internet in Alaska, all the things. And I'm sitting here trying to tell everybody like happiness is, is a state of mind that you make it and you can work and work and work and work and you're never going to be any happier. Find yourself and find who you are and follow that path to happiness because money and working for all the things, that's not it. And like, I understand where people are coming from when they say, oh, well, that poor animal. No, I feel it. I feel it 100% when my daughter killed her first caribou. Her first caribou was a calf. I cried when she slit Bambi's throat. She didn't cry. I did. It's an ugly process, but Then when I saw my daughter happily carrying, you know, our meat, like she knows that that's going to go to cheeseburgers for our next barbecue. And she didn't even think twice about the fact that it was a calf, which we do. So for anybody judges us, because we shot a caribou calf, the mother had, it was hunting season. It's a free for all mother had already been shot. The calf was not going to survive the season. The the kindest thing we could have done was to put it down. Wow. So that's why we had my daughter go ahead and take that. Cause during caribou season, it's not crazy free for all. You have time to take your shot. You don't just have to shoot whatever's out there. And we've trained our kids and ourselves to do this. Like, look, assess the situation. Don't shoot a mom. Don't shoot a a bull that's, you know, prime mating bull. Like you you got to sustain sustainable hunting. Yeah. Either way. So like my daughter was trained. She she noted the calf. She said, Oh, well, look at that one. We started looking around. We noticed the mothers. And then I was like, Okay, well, you can take that one. And and she did. And she didn't even think twice about it. And she was the coolest kid in her class. That's <laughs> no because yeah i i have been making my way towards vegetarian but it's because if i can't personally kill an animal how dare i think i can eat one you know if you earn it and you do it sustainably it's like that's the best i love that i i absolutely love that you said that there's a lot of self-righteous vegans and vegetarians out there that will come at me and i like no i totally respect and i'm actually cutting back on the meat that i eat just for health reasons. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of vegans and vegetarians get their idea of hunters and subsistence hunting from the lower 48, where you got these guys that are just trophy hunting oh, yes, to get big yes. deer for their wall. Yeah. And that's not us up here. Yeah. 90% of us that hunt up here, yeah, we want that trophy kill, but that trophy kill is going to get used. Every part of the meat, everything down to the bones is going to get used. It yeah. is going to be respected. Yeah. That's how you should do it. And I would like to know all these skills. I feel like a little helpless baby and I want to know all these skills. But that's the thing is like, what is someone like me who's like, in the city or like, blah, blah, like, how do we learn this stuff? Well, the reason I reached out, I was a cold weather camping survivalist guide. Wow for uh, a couple of years. And I literally was able to get that job just because I have the knowledge that I have from living here. Not because I took any specialized training. 
I know we all will say, I, I want to learn. I want to know how to do this. I just don't know where to start. And I do that all the time with a lot of different things. And it's just been here recently realizing like saying, oh, I want to learn is the start. You have to actually talk to people. Like, like I got out there and I started talking to others to, to try and learn the more specialized survival skills. And I started ingraining myself into those groups. And I used to feel like, oh, well, I don't know anything. These people aren't going to want to talk to me. No, they're happy to share their knowledge. It's a human thing to want to share experience and knowledge. So the best way to learn is by talking to people in those groups that live that lifestyle. That's literally how I got the job as the, the camping guide is I just, I get out there and I'm a part of these Facebook groups and I'm a part of the, the community getting myself out there and talking to these people. And it was like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a part-time gig. I don't have my, my guide's license, but guide's licenses are only needed for hunting. I don't have any specialized knowledge, but I grew up here. I can tell you all kinds of cool, fun facts about Fairbanks and I know how to handle dogs and I know how to find plants that are edible if we yeah. really were fucked. And the, the guy that started the business was like, okay, cool. You're going to be the only woman on the crew. Are you okay with that? Wait, I just told you I don't know these things and that I want to learn. And he's like, no, you know more than enough to be a guide. So how would that work? So what we would do is we bought a 10-man tent, kerosene soaked, which sounds very dangerous. Yeah. But the kerosene actually it helps insulate the tent. Okay. And then you would put a wood stove inside the tent, which is where the danger comes from. <laughs> but a 10-man heated tent... Um, could easily sleep comfortably six clients and us guides. And what we would do is we would take them out. We'd set them up on the river and to make the whole process quicker and easier. We set the camp up for the season and we would take clients either by snow machine or snowmobile. So we would take them out by snow machine or by dog sled. It just depended on the wow. age of the dog sled. <gasps> yes. I, I got to work very, very close with dog sled teams. So and cool. that was the big issue of me getting this job because we partnered with a guy that won the Iditarod race in the 1980s. So he's like an old school and because I'm a small female and the only female employed for the company, I had to prove myself twice as much as any man, because here you have this old guy that's like giving us his dog teams. And he's like, I'm not going to have my dogs handled by some inexperienced, cute little girl who thinks she's going to be making Facebook videos. And that's legit what he said. And I was just like, I was kind of floored and blown away, but I, I I did. I had to pack up the gear. We would pack up the dog sled trailers. We would pack up the snow machines, park on the side of the highway just outside of Nenana, Alaska, unload everything, which was usually about a thousand pounds of gear and pack it up on trailers and dog sleds. And then you would go about a hundred miles into the flats, wow. which followed along a river. And then you would like, these campers were paying for roughing it in Alaska. And technically by your guys' standards, they were roughing it, but they didn't have to do anything. Y'all like, were doing it. Yeah. Me and the other guides were doing it all. They were just having to brave the 30 below temperature. Oh, that was literally the hardest part of their entire being on this camp. Which was, I'm a little bitch. So, so I would be cold. struggling. <laughs> One thing I tried to like, 
I, I can't stress this enough and people don't understand until they actually experience it. Humidity plays a huge part in how cold you get. So Alaska's it's desert. It's dry climate, dry, cold. I can layer up and feel just as warm at 30 below as you guys are cold at 20 above. What? Because wow. of the humidity. Humidity cuts through layers of clothes. So if it's cold and humid, you're going to feel that because it's in the air. Oh my God. But if it's dry and cold, you're going to stay a little bit warmer for a lot longer. Wow. I did not know that or think of that at all. I'm telling you, girl, like you have got to come to Alaska. I know how I know your aversion to the cold. But one of these days, just make some time, make it for spring or fall so you get to experience the Northern Lights because that is not something we've touched on yet. That is something hugely prominent here, like for nine months out of the year because it is dark and light. Another thing we haven't touched Mm -hmm. on where I live in Fairbanks, in the wintertime, our shortest day is only three hours. That's three hours of sunlight. That's December 21st. Stargazing on the hood of your car in Fairbanks, Alaska is not the same as stargazing on the hood of your car in Owensboro, Kentucky. Yeah. No. I mean, you see like the universe. We're seeing like local stars, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Like you see everything. It's beautiful. And then like the Northern Lights, like I said, it is it's amazing. Do y'all feel like y'all have a special connection to it in general? Because like, you're seeing the darkness for so long. Because of mental health awareness, it's become more prevalent and recognized. The seasonal moods Alaskans are very in tune with. And we actually make it a point to reach out to each other to, wow. you know, like, we're in this together. You're sad. I'm sad. What can we do about this? Let's go reconnect together. Let's have a fire and dance around naked in the snow yes there's actually a group called skyclad and i'm gonna give them a little shout out skyclad means naked okay and what they do is they hike fairbanks and surrounding areas it's a pagan thing it's 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 a natural thing it's a connection to nature it's it's being out there as the gods intended Wow. I'm I'm pagan a lot and you'll find this a lot in Alaska. So in Alaska, like religion, politics, it's all fluid. It's built to fit who you are and you respect it, but you've got a lot of pagans and you've got a lot of independents up here because we're of the mind live and let live and let's have our connection with nature. Uh, honestly, this kind of sounds like a place I would really love. Like it's hitting all the things I've been craving, which is like community, learning how to survive in the woods. And also just the idea of like, okay, who gives a fuck what religion you are? Like just be, what is pagan actually? I don't really know. It's a very broad term. Like it covers literally everything from witchcraft to heathenry. But my definition of paganism is connection to either your ancestors or the earth. And actually, your ancestors have gone back to the earth in my eyes. So that connection to the earth is the connection to your ancestors. Oh, well, that's what I believe, too. So I guess maybe I I didn't know I had like pagan thoughts or whatever. Like, that's kind of what I believe. <laughs> I was thinking about that today, how we can connect with whatever this being is, universe, whatever word you want to say. And like, 
I've never related to that through religion, but I relate to it through nature and finding my breath and pausing. And yeah, like I think, yeah, that's how I experience it. And I think whatever makes you connect is do it in which way, if that's church or if that's like just planting your feet in the ground. Uh, Yes. But didn't you have a survival story? I did. So when I got into the guide business, again, it was somebody reached out to me on Facebook and like, oh, well, you have all the requirements, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, cool. So we go, we've done a couple runs. We've taken clients out. Things are going well. Again, I'm the only woman on this. It's great. So this tour is a bucket list tour between a son and father. So we're we're going to send you and one other person. We don't need, you know, all the bells and whistles. It's only two clients. I'm like, okay, cool. Now in Alaska, you absolutely have to have a DeLorean or some kind of GPS sat phone, especially if you're a tour guide, because there's a lot of places, like I told you, we go out a hundred miles into the flats for these tours. There's no cell service. Well, this is my survival story. <laughs> my boss didn't charge the DeLorean. didn't check the oils on the snow machines didn't check anything so here we are things are going along and we've marked off all of our trails we've already set up camp for the season we should know where we're going that the father and son sorry to interrupt or y'all are just setting it up oh no they're off with the dog sled teams we're not worried about them we have the gear so i have like 500 pounds towing with my snow machine my boss has the other 400 pounds he's towing with his snow machine well somewhere i think about an hour and a half into our trek because it was about a four-hour trek um i gps coordinates it was wolf lake um my sled died and it was because we didn't have oil so the the motor seized up Mm. so then i get on with my boss okay not the worst. We reorient gear. Could be worse. Alaskans are are faced with these situations every day. We let it go. So I plotted the coordinates on my phone because at that point in time, I still had signal. And I was like, okay, so this is where the sled is at. We'll come back and get this after. Cool. Great. So we go an hour and a half later. We should have reached camp. Oh, shit. We didn't reach camp. We didn't know where we are. We're looking at, and you use the high vis like marker tape to follow trap lines and your trails. Well, somebody who had had trap lines out, which is for small game, was using the same colored tape markers as us. Oh. We didn't know how far off trail we were. Oh my God. Wow. The Delorum, our, our GPS sat locator died. My cell phone was losing signal. So I had to send out a, a emergency SOS text to my boyfriend. And this is actually why I don't do this anymore. Once he got that text, he had to wonder whether or not they were going to be looking for a, a body. Because at that point in time, it's serious. Yeah, It's the middle of winter. You're hundreds of miles from everything. We were, we were probably about 100 miles from a road. Oh, my God. So my last text message went out. Okay, last known location, babe. Please don't freak out. Wolf Lake. GPS coordinates. Da 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 da. We traveled north from there. That's that text knows. message did not come through to my boyfriend till 11 p.m. What when did you send that out, you think? Uh probably about four in the afternoon. There was oh, still a little boy. bit of daylight left. So we're lost, lost. 
we had been lost at this point in time. It was like 20 below and we'd been lost for over two hours. What's going through y'all's minds right now? Like, how are y'all reacting to each other? I'm pissed at my boss. My boss is pissed at me. He's telling me, oh, you should have checked the oil. You should have done this. You should have done that. And I'm like, he's not wrong. As a tour guide, I should have been on top of these things, but I was new to it. I was expecting my boss to have been on top of these things. I loaded the trailer. I unloaded the trailer. I proved my worth in, in heavy lifted things. You don't ask me to be brains and brawn. You get one or the other. So you're just stuck with your boss of all people and you're angry. <laughs> oh yeah. So we're angry. And finally I see out of the corner of my left eye, a glint of light. And I told him, I'm like, dude, kill the machine, kill the machine. I see fucking light over there. He's like, you're just seeing the headlights reflecting off of a marker tape in the woods. And I'm like, no, I see fucking light. If you don't kill this machine, I'm going to hop off. You keep going and I'll trek through those woods and find that light that I just saw. So he kills the machine and we're sitting there and I didn't see the light again for a couple minutes until he went to start the machine back up. He saw a flash of light. And then he realized what I was seeing was an LED light. It was too bright to be reflective from the snow machine. So this is at this point in time, I think we'd been lost like four hours. We'd been following the same trap line trail and in I know it sounds like there's not a lot going on because there's not. It's Alaska. It's the middle of winter. It is 30 below outside. So like there's literally nothing. There was hours of us just traveling trails lost and stopping and picking up gear that fell off the trailers and just fighting and bickering. And then I see this light and then he finally sees the light. And so we turn towards the light and we're going through the woods and we found a rehabilitation camp. (laughs) so we 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 touched on the problems of leaving the village and coming to the city this rehabilitation camp was built by the native alaskans for native alaskans to bring them back to their roots Mm. our lives were literally saved by these people okay we would have been your next story out there if these people hadn't brought us in let us warm up gave us some warm tea and some salmon and then pointed us in the right direction and we were 112 miles off course oh my god oh my god that is how close i came to being another body in alaska that may or may not have ever been found how would you even start looking yeah with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of river and trails and trap lines in the Minto flats. Like it was, it can be scary out here. These people took us in. They were like, Hey, yeah, come warm up. Please. No cell phones. Please. No, like we understand you, you've been lost and you have family members to contact, but we have a strict no cell phone Uh policy. So if you could, we'll let you charge your devices and then get you on your path, then you can reach out to loved ones. Oh, they did not care. They were like, we are not crossing that boundary. Okay. Yeah. When you're faced with death and somebody is saving your life, like you're going to be a hundred percent respectful. Yes, ma'am. I will not touch my cell phone. No, that's true. That's true. I'm just thinking like, you got to contact people, you know, let them know you're okay. Wow. Oh, so we, that's where, like, when they said charge the devices, we were able to charge yeah. one of the walkies and at least tap out, like, hey, we're okay. Yeah. But then 
you have to still leave and go find your way back. Yeah. Is the GPS tracker working now or no? Well, we were able to find a charger for it and get it. But yeah, after that, my now husband, he was a boyfriend at the time. He was like, I got to put my foot down here. I don't ever want you going out on another tour with these people. And I respect that because the terror that he went through that night, we'd been dating for years at this point in time. This is like shortly before our son was born. But my poor man had to wonder if he was going to be looking for my body come springtime. So when he said, I'm putting my foot down, like you're not doing this anymore. I didn't quit, but I never took another on-call out of town. It had to be on the road system. I would love to have my own business doing that, but to be under somebody that's not fully prepared. Like if you're not prepared in Alaska, that is the quickest way to die. Hmm. 100%. Like you don't have to carry a 50 pound pack on your back full of water and food. As long as you know your area, this is a land of plenty. Like a lot of people think, oh, it's cold. You don't, you're going to starve to death. No, 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 no. Like half of the plants you encounter up here are edible. You just have to know what's what. And the ground is covered nine months out of the year with snow. If you can start a fire and melt that snow, you are not going to go without water or food. Yeah. You just have to know your environment. Like knowing your environment is the biggest key to surviving this. Yes. Like, People come up here and I hear constantly, well, I couldn't live here, but I almost don't want to leave. You say you couldn't live here. I promise you, you could. The good so far outweighs the bad. Like, I hate the cold. It physically hurts me. I have broken bones and your body tenses up in the cold. And when you have old injuries and you tense Mm -hmm. up, it, it, it hurts. Yeah. But it can be done. And even if you can't sustain yourself, your neighbors, as long as you're a kind hearted person and you have made an impression on the people around you, we see that we'll carry you. Alaskans will put you on their back. We're going to tell you you're a fucking dumbass. (laughs) But while we're telling you you're a fucking dumbass, we're going to teach you and help you out of it. Like, like I, I this is my best way to put it like you drive by somebody stuck in a ditch you stop and rather than let them go through life getting stuck in more ditches you tell them hey you're a dumbass don't get stuck like this this is how to avoid it and that's what an alaskan is gonna do for you they're gonna probably hurt your feelings and be a little abrasive just because we don't know any better but we will literally give you the shirt off our backs and pull you out of a ditch at 20 below yeah That's what really matters. What kind of person do you think should come to Alaska then? Somebody that can really roll with the punches. You have to come up here with no expectations. Everybody's different. It's easier to just come up here with a bar set low, knowing you're going to see the most amazing things in your life. But as far as all the creature comforts, just be open to letting them go. Yeah. I go everywhere with that same intention of I'm not going to be inconvenienced by the things that aren't here for me. I'm going to experience the things that are here. Understanding that all the things aren't going to be there for you, but the things that here are for you are so amazing that if you take the time to actually experience it and grasp it, you'll fully understand the blessings that are around you. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really would love to go. Have you had any close encounters with any animals actually, since you hunt a lot? Yes. (laughs) 
Not even just hunting. Like uh, last year, I almost got trampled by a moose. Oh, my God. Uh, just trying to sweep the snow off of my car. So oh. I, I got between a mom and her calf in my yard and I didn't know it. And I, I was trapped in my truck because I couldn't make it to my front door. <laughs> oh, my God. And she was just standing right there. Yeah, she she charged me and I hopped in my truck and called my dog in the truck, shut the door. And she was literally like standing 10 feet away from my door because when she, I hopped in and shut the door, she realized there was nothing there to charge at and kind of yeah. stopped. But yeah, another girl in my neighborhood, her mom's car got totaled because she had pulled up to the bus stop first and she didn't realize there was a mom on the side of the road and a calf on the other side oh, of the road. Oh, oh my God. And the mom trampled her car. Oh, what? Yes. Like, it was like four smashed windows. The roof was smashed in. Oh my God. Well, you guys think they're like 1500 pounds each. Moose are very dangerous. They're huge and don't get between a mom and her calf. You just coexist, live and let live, be mindful, like yeah. make sure like you walk out your front door. If I hear the cracking of the branches, I know to look around and either run to the truck or run to the house. Yeah. Moose don't sound like they don't, they care at all. They're like Fuck around and find out with a moose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just on like last parting things, is there anything you want to share, promote, or where should people like st start, you know, with Alaska when they come? So sharing and promoting, if you want want to find a home in Alaska, that is what I do. I work for Fairbanks Home Source. Come give us a call and we can help you find a house and help you find your dream property in Alaska. Yeah, that, that would be my closing. I can help you find your dream home, but I need you to come up here mindful and understand the community will welcome you with open arms. We are very, very welcoming, but it's only with shared respect like that whole respect is earned not given it holds true in alaska you you have to earn it up here we're not gonna just carry everybody mm -hmm. i got a freezer that i gotta fill to feed my family but if you're hungry i got fish yeah Exactly. Exactly. And I honestly would love to have you back on. I feel like I feel like you have so much I want to learn and you're just cool as fuck. Thank you for reaching out like in general. Well, I, I was super excited to have found you. Like, like you said, I I've binged. I've listened to the whole back catalog. I'm one of those weirdos. And I, I love how you just explore and come into each episode as you do. Like you're here for knowledge. You're here to spread that awareness and like, hey, guys, the world is a wonderful place, but please approach it with respect. Yeah. And yeah. I would be happy to come on and share more travel stories. I loved the Dragon King episode. I loved the pirate. What? That's Kyle. So you like yeah, Kyle. Those two stuck out the most for yeah. sure. I binged the whole catalog. So like listening to you grow and and come into your own as a podcaster i'm here to watch a person grow and grow their fan base and grow and cultivate their experiences in life for people like me who may or may not because we're so cut off from the rest of everything else yeah that's true ashley <laughs> that means so much to me um it like makes me geek out a little bit that like you've listened to the entire podcast and like you just appreciate how it started and where it's at right now. And 
I can't tell you how much that means to me because I'm going to do this whether someone listens or not. Loki, I love doing this shit. I love learning. Um, but it really, really means a lot that it is impacting someone out there and they're also having a really good time. And she's referencing those episodes, the Dragon King and the Blaze episodes. That means she likes Kyle. Kyle's my friend. <laughs> so if Kyle's listening to this, he'll be, he's just going to grow a bigger and bigger ego. Uh, people really like Kyle on the episodes. But, um, Anyways, so thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on. Thank you so much for telling us about Alaska and just really opening my eyes to what life is really like up there, how beautiful people can be. And I loved learning about it. And I truly would love to come up there and have you teach me how to shoot a gun. I mean, yes, I'm from Alabama. Okay, y'all, but I do not know how to shoot a gun. And I don't know, like learn more about living off the land and stuff. So this was such an empowering episode. It just shows to me how much I really would love to get closer to nature. And I really do want to try a survival camp one day. Like I would like to learn how to live off the land and this just like put a fire in my butt, up my butt. One of those phrases. But thank you so much for Ashley for coming on. I'm definitely going to have her on again to tell more of her travel stories. And again, if you love the show, it really means the world to me if you just share it with a friend or even leave a review on Apple or Spotify. That would be the shit. Y'all would be helping me out so much. And if you are also a fan like Ashley and you want to come on and tell your story, hit me up on Instagram at Culture Cult Show. And cheers till next time, y'all.